0: Don, thank you for all you do, and for those of you that are on the teams that are pulling this kind of stuff together, there's a lot of work that goes on into just simply making this organization part work and, and grow, and so part of it is facilities, and facilities are um, um, an important way that we can help more people be able to kind of fit in to this place. Another way, another exciting thing that's happening, actually, in just a couple weeks we're having our day camp, we're going to be having over 200 kids come into our um, into our church here, and um, they're going to be, as you'll see, kind of all different, different different nationalities and, and groups that are going to come in. We do need help, actually, if you can give up some of your time that week in coming in, and that's sometimes the limiting factor is the number of helpers. And so if you're interested in just a, to learn a little bit more about day camp um, and how you can be part of that, let, let us know. Well, this morning is our, our first ever multicultural weekend, and um, they, they said that we are supposed to dress in our cultural clothing, and that's a little awkward for me because I'm, I'm, I'm Greek, you know. Now, I want to just kind of boast about the Greek people because I'm half Greek, believe it or not, and, and so we sometimes talk about our heritage and, and staff and, and our nationalities and all that. And you know that the New Testament was written in what language? Greek, it was written in Greek, just to let you know that my language is in what the New Testament was written in, and as we talk about and boast about our, our cultures, I think my people were writing philosophy when your people were cutting off each other's heads and eating each other, so just to let you know that where my background is, but the problem is, is kind of the Greek attire is a little bit funny, I'd have to be looking like this if I wore my Greek attire like that, and I don't know that, but this is really how Greeks dress all the time, there you go, that's me, that's me as a younger man at that in, in, in my life.
1: We had, a, we had an
0: intercultural experience <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. My, uh, one of my kids had traveled to China uh, for a business, and he came back and, and brought us Chinese snack foods. So He just decided to bring back Chinese snack, snack foods. Now, now, one of the things, and, and I, don't, I don't get it, and, and if you come from China, you can help me understand, they have an obsession with Oreos. They do. They have an obsession with Oreos, and they actually have <clears throat> every kind of Oreo that you could imagine. If you can dream it up and if you can put it in your mouth, they'll put it between two chocolate cookies and call it an Oreo, and it's there. And so they have all these flavored Oreos. One of them is, is tiramisu Oreos. Yeah, and it's really good, actually. It's, it's really good. And then they have apricot mango Oreos, which is, which is okay, and then they have grape Oreos which is just outright nasty. I mean, it's just a vile, vile thing to eat. So we tried all these, and we kind of had our little Oreo taste test. They also have this other snack food. that This is really popular as well. Um, it's this peanut thing, and, and, and inside this, there's some spicy peanuts, but there's also some other spices as well. And there is a seed pod in there. And those of you that have been to China know about this, that when you chew it up, you bite it actually will numb your tongue and the roof of your mouth as, as you eat this. And I'm thinking, who does this kind of stuff? I mean, why would you eat that kind of stuff for that reason? And why do people in other countries eat such weird things? You know that? You ever think about that? And I started thinking about USA. We only have normal things, like like this, like canned cheese. You know how? (laughs) And we also have Flaming Hot Cheetos, which is, and I hate to say it, is the gift that keeps on giving, okay, if if you've ever had those. We also have this. We have jello salad. Wonderful thing like that. Yeah. And I've got to be careful here because some of you may be bringing jello salad to the potluck. But <laughs> and then, of course, we in America have this wonderful thing, which is tuna casserole, which I cannot imagine how vile that is. But uh, if you're bringing that, just keep it on a table away, away from me. The Bible has a vision of heaven, and, and, and I like it. And this is what it says it says, as I looked. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You get a picture of everybody, just an international group of people standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, what's cool is every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, they're all before God, and they're all crying out and all worshiping together. They're all worshiping Jesus together. Now, we wonder, well, every nation, tribe, language, it seems like they're all crying out in the same language, and there will be a common language in heaven. It will be Greek. I just want (laughs) to let you know. (laughs) that. No, but I, I, was, I was thinking through, and this, this happened a, a couple of years ago, just in, in my thinking, my praying as we we're working this all out, let's bring that down here. Let's make that begin to happen here now. They say that the most segregated hour in America, um, at least this is kind of a common phrase, is, between, is on Sunday morning, you know, between 10 and 11 in church you'll have black churches, you'll have Mexican churches, you'll have American churches, you'll have Lithuanian churches and German churches, and you'll have French-speaking churches, all that. And they'll say everyone segregates in America. Actually, we by nature, and we'll talk about this in a second, segregate ourselves. But I thought, boy, if, if that's a reputation that churches have, let's break that apart. Let's try and create an sp- atmosphere, a place, where people of different backgrounds and heritages, heritages come together. And begin to say, you know, what's going to be happening in heaven, you know, someday. Let's make it begin to happen here, right now. Um, This is what we want to be talking about. I read a statement that says God has never made a person he doesn't love. Isn't that cool? Not a single person. That means the person in front of you in Safeway and the person behind you, you know, in the gas station line. God loves them deeply, incredibly deeply. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, and these these are our marching orders. He said, go and make disciples of of all nations. And the word nations in Greek, because it's New Testament, was written in my language. The New Testament, the word nations is the word ethne, where we get the word ethnic. And what he's saying is, go to every single ethnic group possible. And there's lots of them, not just countries, but every single ethnic group. And make followers of me I'm out of them. Now fast forward today, and again, there is like this landmine issue of racism. And, and it almost seems like it's getting more volatile, doesn't it? It just seems like it's getting hotter. The flame has been turned up. If you say black lives matter, people get mad. If you say blue lives matter, people get mad. If you say now all lives matter, people get what? They get mad about that one as, as, as well. And so how do, how do we as people um, who have been changed by Jesus Christ, how do we as people who have been changed by God figure this thing out and, and deal with it? And how can we begin to model within this place what it truly means to be a people of, of one Father, one God, and, and one common heritage which is Jesus. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about. Let's pray. God, thank you for these moments now and this time and just give me the right words and give us the right hearts now for this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what's wrong with prejudice anyway? I mean, what in the world is wrong with, with prejudice? And, and this one kind of hits us in the face, and, and I, I want us to just kind of take away all, the, all that prejudice stuff out of us. First of all, racial prejudice questions God's creation. It really does. Prejudice questions completely God's creation. Now, God loves variety, and God loves differences. He made them. A couple of weeks ago, I had a craving for cantaloupe. Go figure, you know. I just wanted a cantaloupe. And it was like nothing could stop me from getting a cantaloupe. So I went to Safeway and I bought a cantaloupe. You know, who does that? Anyway, I just did. I bought a cantaloupe. I went home and I cut it open. And I'm eating this thing and I'm looking at it thinking, you know, cantaloupe's kind of a weird fruit, you know. It's got that weird skin on the outside and it's got the weird seeds on the inside. You got to scoop out and all that stuff. And then I started thinking, you know, but all fruit's kind of weird on its own. You know, you got the cantaloupe, and then you got you got a lemon, you know, that's got its own kind of weirdness. And then you got grapes, you know, and then you got some Chinese guy that puts those between two Oreos, you know, you got all kinds of weird things that are going on. But each one is unique. I mean, bugs are unique and 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 animals are unique, and people are are really, really different. This is what the Bible says. It says, From one man God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And I love this part. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Pretty cool verse, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty cool what it talks about. Where did the nations come from? They came from God. God marked them out. God made them. God marked out their times and their places. I mean, think about it. How many of us chose our race? How many of us? We anyway, None of us did. I didn't. How many of us chose where we were born? Now, it wasn't our call on that one either. Who did? God did. Um, do we have anybody from Texas here? Anyone from Texas here? No no Texans? Okay, good. Then I can talk bad about Texans here. That's okay. <laughs> we had one from last night. And as soon as I said Texan, his hand went up as fast as, as, as possible. Yeah, I love Texans. I love Texans so much, actually, because they are from Texas. You know, if you've ever met a Texan, Texans are from Texas. And they love being from Texas because Texas is the promised land to, to them. You know, even though if you've ever driven through Texas... There's no promise or the promise was broken a long time ago because there's just not a lot not there between this city and that. But but people from Texas, you just kind of want to say because they're always boasting about how big Texas is, and how great Texas is. it was. It, how much of that was your choice, you know, and they say back to you, well, it wasn't my choice, but it was God's blessing. That I'm from Texas on that. And so God actually placed people where he chose people. Texans or Mexicans or Greeks or Arabs or Americans or Filipinos or Africans and he chose and he created those nations and he said, You're gonna be born there. You're gonna be born here. You're gonna be born in this place. I sometimes wonder, God, why why was I, you know, born in America, you know? And when you think about all the other nations in the world, pretty privileged. I I mean, you know, privileged as far as not because I'm American, but because, God, look at everything that, you know, good health care and good food and, you know, clean water. I think God did it because um, we have now the responsibility with blessing to reach out to those that don't. But I'm called to love people, and I'm called to love people from, from different races. I'm called to do that. In my quiet time, I was was reading this, and I came upon this in Galatians. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. When that happens, doesn't it? That's the basis for the whole good Samaritan thing is love your neighbor as yourself. And Samaritans were people of a different, quote, race or ethnic group that didn't like the Jewish people, and the Jewish people didn't like them. James says this way, if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. It's just a sin to to treat people differently. Now, now we all know that racism is not just an American thing. It's not. Okay? It's, it's not. I told you I'm kidding about. You know, I come from Greek stock. I, I, I do. They were persecuted severely by the Turks, you know, by Turkey a number of years ago. And so what did they do? They were, they were so damaged by that and were so virtuous, they turned around and persecuted the Romas. Okay? That's what the Greeks did. And I discovered that there's Mexican racism based on skin color. And even the Swiss, you know, the Swiss of all people, you know, there's German Swiss or there's Italian Swiss and French Swiss, and they don't always get along either. And if you're human, it's an issue. And we can't make laws to stop it because laws don't stop it because the problem is not in the law. The problem is where? It's deep within, and things need to change on the inside. Everyone knows the song Amazing Grace, you know. Even people who have never stepped foot in church know the song Amazing Grace. It was written by a guy named John Newton several hundred years ago. John Newton, before he became a a Christ follower, was a slave trader. I mean, he was a vile man. Just vile. And he saw absolutely no problem going in to Africa and ripping families apart and taking people and getting involved in the human trafficking thing and selling this this husband away to that person and this wife away to this person and keeping these kids so they grew up and then selling them off as well. He did it because he could do it and he made a lot of money off of it and God got hold of his heart. And he surrendered his life and asked for complete forgiveness from God. And it was after this... He wrote the words that we sing, even though we don't know the origin of it. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch. A wretch. wretch. He realized that, and God got hold of his heart. And so how can we become individually, one by one, you know, my heart, my life, be more what we would say intercultural or multicultural? And that would be the first one would be, I guess, see people as God does. We need to see people as God sees them. Within the first thirty seconds when you meet somebody, and I don't care who it is, and it's not wrong, it's not sinful, we make about ten to fifteen judgments on them. You know, not bad judgments, just simply judgments on on understanding who they are. Because the human brain, mine does and yours does. We try and categorize. We just simply try and categorize. It helps keep things in order and in place. And so we put categories together. Race, first of all, you know, a race are they, or age, you know, are they young or old? Um, economic or social status. Sometimes we're able to judge that by the way they dress, or personality by the way they talk. You understand how that goes on? You know, we begin to see it all. If they're really aggressive and shake your hand and talk to you, then they're they're more outgoing. Education level. Are they are they introverted, extroverted? Their intelligence. You know. Sometimes are they nerds or are they hipsters? You know, by the beards they've got or, or whatever. We we do that. I mean, that's just simply natural, normal. This is what God says. Great, great verse. It says, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. We do. Lord looks at the what? At the heart. See, there it is. God looks at the heart. And God looks at the heart of a person, and this is true, whatever color the person is, people have hearts, and if they are normal, their hearts have been damaged and really need God. And a lot of times, the whole racial issue, the whole problem is because of the damage that has been done inside their hearts. And it's because they need God, they go this way and that way instead of going straight to Him. And so see, see people as, as God sees them. Begin to try and look into their hearts. Second is we need to respect everybody. Peter says this, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Pretty remarkable passage When you think about it, um, when you think about the situation in that day, and if you work at that passage backwards, look at what it says going backwards. The last thing he says is honor the emperor, and the emperor was a jerk back in those days. Okay? And he is telling now Christians, the person in charge, you honor them no matter who they are, whether it's this administration or the past administration. I think we need to understand this is God's call to us. But he going backwards again, fear God, of course, you know, honor, love, the family of believers. But then he says, show proper respect to everybody, proper respect, everybody, every single person, because they were created in the image of God. And they were placed in your life at that point in time. And they were placed in your neighborhood by God. Remember, God who sets the nations and the foundations of where their or the boundary points of where their nations are, also sets their real estate. And if they moved in next to you, then we have a call to them. You know that. Documented or or not. I was talking to some person that they were really complaining about the whole illegal immigration and the documentation and all that. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's an issue that has to be socially worked out in government, all that kind of stuff. But understand something. I was saying this to somebody, do you know how much it costs to send a missionary to another country? Do you know how much it costs? It costs about $130,000 to send one missionary and his family to, 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 to the country or more. You realize that these people are coming here now for us? They're coming here now, and they're moving into our communities. And apart from the whole you know, health care issues and all that kind of stuff, understand we have now global mandates to reach people, and they're coming now to us it's as if God is saying, you know what? Um, I'm going to bring people that need Jesus now into your communities and in into your neighborhoods. Next is be be color aware. I wanted to say color blind, but I don't think that's a good way to put it anymore. And I have to do my homework on this one because, again, I, you know, I'm living in the country of, of where I was born and all that. So much damage has been done and so much hurt has happened all around that we need to be just simply aware of the hurts that people have had. And history counts. History means something to us. And we just need to understand and aware of the hurts that have happened and work to grasp onto that. The Bible says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. And that means if somebody comes in and saying, my people, or at least I believe that my heritage has been hurt, and I'm hurt because of that, the command is not... Well, mourn with those who mourn only if. It's mourn with those who mourn and understand what you're going through. I think, I think I would like to make, and this is the next thing, let's make this place a lab for love. I know that sounds hippie weird, you know, let's make us a lab for love and all that stuff. But, but it's based on a, uh, you know, yeah, I know, I know. This last week, I watched. This is where I came to this point. I watched a film called The Stanford Prison Experiment. Any of you ever seen that film, Stanford Prison Experiment? I think you can get it on Netflix or, or something right now or Amazon. And, and it was really interesting. It was back in the early 70s. And, and psychologists at um, Stanford decided to do a little bit of an experiment. It's a weird movie, by the way, but but it, it's fascinating to watch. And what they did is that they, they took the basement in Jordan Hall at Stanford, and during the summer months when there weren't any students around, they converted it into a, quote, prison. They just kind of rebuilt it into a, a makeshift prison. And they took 24 volunteers... You know, white male volunteers. So they kind of tried to get guys that were pretty much the same, from the same kind of economic background. And he made, <clears throat> the experimenters made half of them prison guards and half of them prisoners. Okay? They hadn't done anything wrong, but they just simply said, we're going to do it. And for the next two weeks, your guys are going to be prison guards, and you're going to walk around with mirrored shades, and you're going to have batons, and you're going to act real tough. And you, or n- they didn't tell them how to act. They just said, you, you're, the pri- you're the prison guards, and you're the prisoners. And um, they did it for two weeks or at least tried to do it for two weeks. They got like two days into this and things began to get really, really weird. Really weird. Those that had the power began to usurp that power and become almost sadistic. And as you watch it, you just think, holy cow, the potential of people to do bad. And it became like a, a lab for hate. And what God is saying is, this church, a church is a new thing. It's a whole new entity, you know. And I'm not talking about a building, a church building. I'm not talking about us coming together on Sunday morning. What I'm talking about is what a church should be, believers that come together in all kinds of different circumstances in all kinds of different ways. And he said, this is going to be a laboratory for the way life should be, a little kind of a preview, the upcoming attraction of what heaven should be like. So God says this. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Nowhere else is there the potential to model what it's like for different races and political viewpoints to come together than a place like a church. No other place. No other place. Because we have the most important thing in common. Um, Jesus would say, um, by this all men will know you're my disciples, if you, remember that, you love each other. Love each other. Again, not not if you can expand your lobby and your children's ministry is really good and you have a kick and day camp or anything like that, but by your love. And it happens because we have a shared identity. We have that shared identity. Remember in math, taking math when you were a kid, um, there was that concept called the common denominator. Remember that common denominator? you got to find common denominator. At first, it was really fun, you know. Um, eight and four, what's the common denominator? Ah, I can do that one. And you write it down. Well, then it starts getting really complicated because they start using really big numbers, you know. And you have to try and figure out what is a common denominator, and they give you all rules and principles for that. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. If you're a follower of Christ, that means an old thing is gone and a new thing has come, a new creation. And the common denominator now that we have is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So my first identity is not Greek or Texan or Californian or Mexican or American or Portuguese or Salvadorian or Italian, Korean, Asian, black, white, brown, orange, because I put on the wrong kind of sunscreen or anything like that. You become a Christian and all those other things become somewhat irrelevant. I love this verse. It says, in this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. They mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters and Christ is equally available to all. (laughs) Most segregated hour in America um, is not going to be here. It just won't be here. I'm committed to that. And the solution to racial reconciliation is the new heritage we have, the common denominator that we have. And so we have, you know, after, after the second service, when the rain stops falling, um, um, we have a what's called multicultural potluck, and, and you guys come to first service. I'm going to invite you to come on back for that. Get to know people. You know, get to know people. And you say, well, I'm really, really busy, and that's because you're, I hate to say it, because you're a white American, because we make ourselves really, really busy for those kinds of things. And other cultures say the most important thing right now in life is connecting with other people. And I think so let's try and do that um, today. Um, I think we can be different. I think that's cool. I just think it's cool what God can do, and what God will do. So let's make our community say about us, not buildings, not parking lots. They would say, what in the world is going on here? All those different people, they what each other, they, they love each other, for real. Let's pray, okay? Worship team, would you guys come on up? So Lord Jesus, thank you for... Um, for, for making us new in Christ when we accept you as our Savior, something new happens. And it doesn't matter what our nationality, our heritage, our color is, our background, even our sin. It, it doesn't matter now. It's, 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 it's gone. It's new in Jesus. We are new in Christ. And we share that with any follower to know that we can go anywhere in the world and if there's a fellow believer in Jesus Christ, we have the most important thing in common. We're family. And Father, my prayer is, yeah, I, I pray this church would grow huge and big with more and more people who come to know Christ. And whether they are brown, Asian, from South America, North America, Canada, Europe, it doesn't matter, Lord. Lord father thank you for bringing us together Um, thank you and thank you that we can worship you in our language in different language thank you that we have common hearts that beat in christ we thank you so much in jesus name amen hey thanks you guys for coming if i should come on back you know about an hour an hour and a half or so and we'll be uh having food together. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to finish with the final song. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a terrific week.